Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have two special guests in the building. Um, both have been guests of the podcast. Uh, one being a guest at least, I want to say like three or four times. Another, he was our youngest guest. Um, but would you all, well, would you both like introducing yourself to the listeners? Uh, yeah, I can start off first. Um, so my name is Kobe. Um, dang, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm a photographer. Um, I, you know, do photography. I write, I do poetry. Um, I'm an artist. Um, yeah. And I'll be on Instagram and I love food. <laughs> That's it. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's and perfect. I, that's, that's good. It's you. It's who you are right now. <laughs> I love food too. I, I, I guess. I'm James Lott Jr. and I am many things. I'm James of all trades. I do many things. Uh, I am the owner and operator of an online network called JLJ Media. Um, and I have over 35 shows and programs, audio and video to choose from. I also am a recording artist myself with at least seven albums, four EPs, some songs with Mike. Um, and a couple of soundtracks, and I have some new songs coming out this week, actually. Uh, I'm also an author of over 35 books, and there are, I have two new books coming out next week, and then there are two. I'm also a professional organizer and certified life coach. Uh, I organize people's homes, garages, and closets. I also life coach people in their lives. I'm also a painter. I have some new paintings coming out soon. <laughs> I'm a spoken word artist and poet myself, and I like food, too. <laughs> oh what wow <laughs> the the hardest working man in show business <laughs> i definitely aspire to be that you know you can be i i started this late so you can be i you can, anybody can do that well most lot of people can do it not everybody can do it but anybody can do it it's fine i'm not i don't have the magic to speak with anybody can do it <laughs> yeah. i brought you both on the show because it's black history month and um I thought it would be dope to have a conversation with three black men of three different, three gay black men. I have to stress that as well of three different generations because, uh, you know, I, I have my own experiences and I've shared my own, but I wanted to talk to you guys because Kobe, you're 22, right? Yes. I'm 22. Um, so yes. Yeah. yeah. And James, you, I'll you be are, years old in a few months. <laughs> you know, so that's 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 a whole 30 years uh-huh. above Kobe. And um I would love to just just hear we'll start with you guys' journeys of like How old are you? Um, you know, we could tell our ages. How old are you, my I'm, I'm 34. I'll be I'll be 35 this year. I was like all in the middle, so it's like 22, 30. Yeah, yes. I was like, wow, wow. Right. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> But I wanted to start with you guys coming out journeys. Like, what was that like for you? <laughs> Dang, is it going to be a therapy session? Hold on. No, no, no. Cut <laughs> it out. Cut no it out. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. That was, that was a lot for me. Um, I'm still kind of like, you know, dealing with that right now. Um, you know, it kind of just happened, you know, like, I think amongst a lot of other things that was going on like in my past like 
you know, like childhood trauma, things like that. It kind of just like opened up everything. And then like, that was just one thing that was kind of in it. And like, yeah, I just expressed that to my mom. And like, you know, she was, she was very concerned, but like, she was just very like overly supportive. Like, you know, like she was just like, I love you regardless, but like, I'm scared at the same time, you know, like I'm scared for you. Cause you know, like hear stories and stuff like that, like of things that go on and she just knows what's up, you know? So I was like, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be cool. You know, like, so it was just kind of like that. It was, oof, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, for me, uh, let me give you a picture. It's, <laughs> late 80s in South Central Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Height of, height of um, oh, that's okay. Height of, um, of gang activity, um, repression, Reagan era, and AIDS was rampant. AIDS was new. Uh, gay men were dying around just everywhere. I remember uh, my first job I ever worked at was the Hollywood YMCA. I worked as a day camp counselor in the back for my sister. All the fuck guys up front were gay. Well, I guess we ran the actual YMCA. And I was 15 years old, 16 years old, and I watched each of them die within a year. Wow. Wow. So, um, and I was starting to have feelings. I had a girlfriend at the time. So I was starting to have feelings uh, that were not towards girls. Um, and I, and that was a scary thing. First of all, I'm, I'm a black man, you know, a uh, black man comes from Caribbean descent. Oh. Um, you know, that, so very macho, machismo kind of idea. No one else in my family was gay that I knew of. Um, I, had, I had somebody, I shouldn't out him now, but somebody in my family who I believe is, who still never come out. And this person's in their 70s or 80s at this point. Wow. Um, so there was no role model to do this at all, but it was also scary. Literally, your life, everybody's lives were on the line. I had gay friends, and my brother had a gay godfather, so being, you know, my mother was a hippie. We had no problem with, like, with having gays around, but they were dying. They were literally dying um, around us. Um, and so I was like, I would get married, have children, do the regular thing, just keep going that direction. Uh, I was raised Catholic. So it was like all that guilt or whatever. Um, it just wasn't a place to come out. It just really wasn't. I mean, literally there were gang members. Just, I knew gang members. It was like, you just didn't, you didn't do that. You just, we get killed. There was no, wow. there was no gay straight alliance. There was yeah. none, 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 that was not, you could, we could, I was still, you could be discriminated for being gay still. I mean, it was completely, you could lose jobs, homes, could adopt children, no, nothing. So I was like, you're not everybody. Then I slept with someone who was a man. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, this is what it feels like. Okay, got it. Um, and I was interested heavily. Um, but I kind of was going to echo um, a little bit of what Kobe said a little bit. It, my coming out journey was a, was a years-long process. It wasn't just one thing. And I was suddenly, okay, here I am. No, it was like, it took a while. It took several years because there are different types of coming out, right? Mm -hmm. Coming out at work, coming out at home, coming out with certain family members, coming out with my the friend member five years later, may not even know you're gay. Like it's still, I mean, to this day, I'm still coming out to people. I mean, I'm in the public eye, and I still come out to people who don't know. Um, so it's a lot. It's for me, it's a lifeline process. But to kind of go with what you're saying in terms of the big kind of here it goes. I almost got married, and wow. a few weeks before the wedding, I said, "No, I can't do this." Oh, wow. And that's, so... That's a lot. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was dramatic. <laughs> um, so I am gay, I guess, though. Um, and so then I, um, I left town. 
I went to Sacramento. My father was in the, it was in the uh, government, which was Senator Diane Watson. He was like, come with me. I'll take care of you. My father and I had a bad relationship, but I thought here he is, he's going to take me in. So long story short, I came out to him, basically. He didn't have a problem with it. That was one of the few things he had a problem with with me. My mother took it a little harder, you know, mothers. Um, you know, she had gay friends and went to the discos in the 70s and all that. Um, I knew it wasn't about me, per se. Just, but it was about me, but it wasn't about me. It was just kind of like she knew as young Black man, you already have enough problems already. Like you said, your mother was concerned, Colby. Same yeah, as yeah, yeah. That That's exactly, I think that was... You know her problem, or not her problem, but that's what was in her mind, and 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 I think that's what she was battling. But like for me personally, I was just like, you know, I don't think I was looking for it. I mean, I was looking for acceptance, but for me, it was just like I had to be honest with myself. And I think like it was just so much going on, like, and it was like, damn, I just ha- I have to be honest with myself. I can't just like act like you know fake because I had like you know. I had a girlfriend and things like that and it it just it kind of didn't work out and like it was just like I was being fake you know like I wasn't being truthful truthful with myself because I knew that um I like men and things like that and now that I'm kind of getting older and stuff like that I'm just like I'm still learning how to accept myself you know and accept like who I am and things like that but I know that it takes time and like it, um, it's a journey. <laughs> That's all I gotta say, it's a journey, yeah. It is, and, and, and it just takes, it just it, there's little mini coming out, but yeah. a major one was me leaving, not getting married. That was a big yeah. thing. Yeah. So everybody was invited, but every, I mean, the ring was bought, everything was like, it was a completely this whole thing yeah. um, that I, it was like, oh, okay. So this is why he's doing it. Family started talking. Rumors were saying there's a whole long story about that, but yeah. uh, I guess I would say 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, that's what, that, same here. It was like 18 or 19. And like, same thing, you know, like my mom, she like, it kind of just went through like the family and stuff, but, but I didn't really care. And like, you know, a lot of my family was supportive and stuff. Like they didn't really care, like my aunties and stuff, my uncles, but um my dad, I think it's it was a different story with my dad. Um, it's kind of different, yeah. That one, that one's kind of rough because it's still like, yeah, we're not really on speaking terms and stuff right now. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, well, it's gonna take some time, obviously. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to find it, and, but for me, I know um, I left everybody, so I didn't stick around to see how they thought. Yeah. So I, so I was more about I left, and I was trying to figure out my life at the same time. I went to college, right. I was trying to figure out my life. So right. I mean, I, whatever they felt, I, I only I'm only finding out things now, thirty years later, because I didn't I wasn't there. I don't know what they were thinking. I would hear rumors, but only a select few stayed in touch with me during that time period. The rest of them just stopped mm-hmm. talking. I didn't wow. know if it was mean or bad. I, I had no idea because I, I left LA. I was I wasn't there, so I didn't get a chance to see any of that. But my father was openly like, "That's fine. You're gay. I don't care. I'll just, just get a job, go to school, do whatever." And I was a nurse at the time, also, so I just do all that. So that's what I did. But it was a coming out process. It was it was it was interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you learn things and stuff too about yourself that you never really like knew. Like, you know, you're supposed to act this certain way, and you don't have to like act this certain way with like I don't know, I guess dating and stuff like that. So 
know what to say. <laughs> but yeah. I'm cu- I'm curious to know what you mean by you have to act a certain way. Like as far as like um I guess like being like this person, like um how you see on the movies, like not saying that it's wrong or, or bad or anything, but like feminine men or 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 men who are flamboyant, like you know, and that's fine, you know, like I just I'm just not like that, you know, but like I'm just going to accept who how I am, you know, like and and, and the person that I am right now, you know, that's the yeah. I will elaborate on that because I know what you're yeah. talking about. So when I came out, there was no rule book. There was yeah. no there was no uh, precedent for me. So a lot of the guys that I met were the big queenie, you know, basically drag queen guys, which again, I love them. We got it on great. Right. And I like I'm thinking is that's how it's supposed to be. You know, if I get if I get quite frank on your show, I don't know how frank I can get on your show. Um, of, of course, you you okay. can definitely go there. Okay, so I'll go there. So I was basically told you're a big old bottom because you're a black twink because you're young and skinny and that's what you have to be. And I thought that's what you're supposed to be. You just have to follow along to whatever these white gays were telling me. Basically, I was, mm-hmm. just, I was in Sacramento. There were no black gays in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> so they were t- they were dictating to me what. I was and learning from them what I was supposed to be, the role I was supposed to, I was falling into that until I met and I, and I loved him to pieces and I can almost start crying. His name was Tim Dolan. I want his name to be always remembered. He was the first only black gay man that I met who took me under his wing. He was a decade older than me. He was like in his 30s by the time I met him. We didn't do anything, it wasn't anything like that. He literally said, James, I'm going to show you how to conduct yourself with these white gay men in Sacramento and how to keep your own identity. Yeah, literally took me in under his wing. It was like James because everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. They loved him. They loved him. They loved him. They loved him. He was very beloved, and he knew how to carry himself. I, I saw him. Like, wow, he was fully himself. If he had, I always, we always call this. Um, if he had big girl moments, he had his big girl moments. If he had his masculine moments, he had his masculine moments. Like he was, he did him before we. That was even a phrase back then. So what Kobe's saying, I totally get. It's like I was like, oh, I must be this way. No, he's like, don't let them tell you that. If you want to be, if you like football, like football, (laughs) like this, and you know, Mike likes basketball. Like if you want, you don't have to fall into the, the, the sissy stereotypes or all that kind of stuff they tell you to, you can have, you can be that way if you want to, that's like you said, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. if you don't find yourself that way, that's fine too. Like find who you are and that all of it is beautiful. All of it is wonderful. All of it is fine. Um, And so I, so he taught me that and then he died. Wow. He literally died of AIDS. A year or two later, wow. I saw just, wow. I saw him integrate in front of me, and that was the death that was the hardest for me. It took me a long time to get over that um, because I, he was so. But he told me even when he was dying, he goes, "You know, I started like you, came out, and I slept with like five hundred men the first year because I was supposed to do that." It was the seventies, you know. He was like, "This is what we did," you know. He's just like it was. Right. Uh, they followed these trends, and he goes, "But he goes, but he learned after a while. Someone took him in. You know, yeah. you know how I feel, Mike, about that the village thing." Uh, so yeah. I took him in and said, no, Tim, this is how you could act who you are, whatever that is. Don't, just because society tells you or other black gays tell you or white gays, it doesn't matter. If you want to dress in a ball cap and a t-shirt or tank top, whatever, do whatever you want. And so I, like, what Kobe's saying, I totally get because I was like, yeah. I, they're trying to push me into these categories. Yeah. And you're like, well, do, am I supposed to be that way? Or I mean, or, or should I be super butch? Or should I fall into that? Like, like what, I mean, what, 
screw the roles. I hate in dating. My my least favorite question is, are you a top or a bottom? I hate that question so much. <laughs> yeah, it makes no difference. I mean, if, if you're on a sex date, that's different. Right. Right. If the date is purely a hookup, then yes, you got to get to the point. And what do you want? What we're going to do? And that's it. But if you're if you're talking about dating, anybody in a real relationship knows things change all the time in relationship. And, and then you actually, you make the rules together in a relationship. And maybe times you want, you want to be first. So you might be just one time. Why have to fall into the label of I'm always this and that's it? Bugs a shot at me. Yeah. And I, I think for me, the roles kind of made my journey of, of being gay confusing because I've probably known since third grade that I was attracted to guys. But yeah. being... Being in the South and growing up in Houston, the only gay man I saw was a, a flamboyant man or somebody on TV. So to see that role, like that, those actions tied to this word, I couldn't identify with it, you know? And then when I came out now, stepping into this world as who I've built myself to be today, it was like, you, you have to be this way. You have to dress this way. You have to do that. And I think I didn't really understand it until I kind of took a, like, you know, when, when you come out, you want to be immersed into this world. You want to feel a part of something. And I had to remove myself from it in order to understand, like, I could be me and be myself and be okay with that. And it's so crazy because I feel most seen as a gay Black man by heterosexual people. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. That's a very interesting statement. Interesting. I, I, I never, you know, I think that's a process like within itself, how you have to just learn that, you know, like how you, like where you can feel open and, and open and being yourself, you know, like that. So I'm still trying to find that way, um, you know, especially during this pandemic and stuff, like it's been hard to like really connect with people like on just like a friendly, like a cool note, you know, like hanging out and stuff like that. So I think like I'm still like learning that process to like where I, where I feel accepted. Yeah. 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 But it's, one of, it's one of those things. Um, that I, you know, my generation, we weren't so heavily into labels in some ways. We were just kind of like, mm. we like being gay meant being di different, that you're allowed to not follow heteronorms or follow anybody's norms. You just do whatever you want. That was kind of, that was the kind of fun thing would be, you'd have to get married. You'd have to have kids. I mean, all this stuff that we did, we didn't, it was like, it was, it was like a, almost a secret society that we could be whatever we want and make up our rules. Um, and now it's a little different. And I, and I also, I want you know, people to have marriage rights and all that kind of stuff and have kids. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like, I just, but it just felt like it was, we didn't have, we didn't have to conform. So now within our own community, why are we trying to make everybody conform within our community? Like, why are we why aren't celebrating the differences? You know, mm -hmm. someone wants to do drag, great. Someone wants to not do drag, great. Well, I don't think we don't have to all watch RuPaul's Drag Race. You don't have to. You know, it's one of those things that, but if you do, it's fine. Like, who cares? But if you don't, who cares? You know, not like shamed into a, you're not watching it. You're not really, like, well, you give me your gay card. And I was like, no, not, that's not, you know. And for me, and I have no shame in saying this, I'm tired of white gays telling what the standard is. Yeah. I'm tired of it. I've, yeah. been, I've, been, I've been doing this for 30 some years. I'm tired of it. And yeah. them telling me what, dictating what the standard of what being gay is. Screw right. you. 
It's not, that's not, it's not, you don't get to dictate that. We can dictate that ourselves. That's so funny you say that because I had a gay white person tell me what would make my show more appealing to gay black people because uh, he knew what gay black people were looking for. And, oh, you oh. know, I asked, how, how could he tell me what gay people were, gay black people were looking for when I actually am that? Yes. Right. He didn't have a response. Of course not. It's like, I how many white of you? Yeah, I was gonna say I never really had experience with um with white gays um just in my coming out process and exploring myself. I never really like interacted that much with them. It was just like always, yeah, on my own. Um yeah, I don't have no experiences with them. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, that's I'm sorry. I'm like, Ain't nothing wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good for you. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, hold up. I'm sorry for any discrimination against you. It's fine. It's okay. It's quite okay. It can happen against you. It's fine. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm not mad at that at all. I'm like, shit, that, that sounds okay. I yeah, I, right. I think my experience with, with white gays came from the lack of interest I was getting from like black and brown, you know, men. So these white men were showing me attention. And, and it's funny, it's like a lot of the attention, once you start, once you start really paying attention to it, it, it doesn't feel that great. Like when I was young and insecure and not really, you know, not really feeling myself, it was exciting to like, you know, have have somebody into me and telling me how how attractive I am, how beautiful I am. And as you mature, it's kind of like, that ain't enough. And you start realizing like, I don't have much in common with this person. This person doesn't have much conversation. They don't, we don't share anything except for like purely sexual. And and it becomes like, for me, it was like, I need more than this. So, yeah. I mean, I will be full disclosure. I am multiracial. I come from biracial people and I'm multiracial. I'm, I'm a third white basically. Um, but the DNA, I did the DNA thing literally told me I'm a third white. So I was like, yeah, literally all my markers are whites. So I'm like, that's interesting. Uh, my kids and grandkids are are uh, white presenting of uh, if anything. They're they they're very light skinned. My siblings very light skinned. Um, so I come from that whole thing. That's a whole other thing. The Creole stuff and you know about that my ground, Louisiana. Uh, it's a whole other thing too. Um, but I'm sorry, I want to make that clear that I, I have a multiracial family. I had grandparents who are white. I mean, I love them very much. I have cousins who are white. I love them very much. But I'm just saying in the community, though, when I came out in Sacramento, basically, it was mostly a white community. It was, it's the capital. And mm-hmm. so a lot of folks that come from other places, um, they, yes, there are black folks in Sacramento, clearly, and Latino in Sacramento, but it wasn't, they just weren't, it wasn't a lot of them when I came out. It just wasn't. So like Mike, I, I went with whoever asked me out. Very mm-hmm. giving attention. I was also coming out of an abusive um, upbringing, and so I was looking for attention. Uh, I had no good male male role models. So I was looking for attention, so I was going to wherever, and most of them were white, and it just kind of happened. But see, then I had a kid at nineteen, so then I started raising a child. So I, I lived in several worlds. Uh, suddenly, I was the the gay guy with a kid, and now and now I, they didn't have this is before they were having kids. So, mm-hmm. like, my daughter grew up with all the gay men. She knows everybody. She was like the mascot. <laughs> she was like the mascot. They all love Miss Monica. She was like the mascot. She was an easy baby to take care of, too. But, um, and so, it was, so I had a whole of life because 
even when I moved to San Francisco in 93, I was 24, and finally age was starting to lift. The first cocktails were happening. People were starting to live a little bit. Um, and so it was party city. When I was in San Francisco, it was, we were going to Colossus and Pegasus and, and the cafe and the Phoenix and, um, and uh, all these places in the Castro was just huge. Um, mm-hmm. I still on the weekends would come to Sacramento and throw my daughter's tournaments and her swim meets. And I had like this dual life that everybody knew about. Um, so that was very interesting for dating. That was very interesting too, I'm like, well, actually I have children. I, mean, I have two daughters yeah. now, but I have children. And I said, I'm actually, I have a whole, and they knew I was gay. I never hit that. Their mothers never, you know, hidden or anything. On holidays, my boyfriend would come to the family Thanksgivings and Christmases, mm-hmm. um, and that was not a, that wasn't a problem that I know of. I know of. Um, but it was, I never hid them from my daughter, and so and they just knew that I was. They knew I was something. They didn't know the word gay until like that I was gay, gay until maybe middle school. That's when my daughter finally asked me, "Because you're gay, right?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." And we all started laughing because we could think, well, you just know. I mean, but it was never a, a thought. It was just presented to them normally. Like it was kind of a, so her view, because she's you know, she's around Mike's age, she's just turned 32, and she's pregnant right now. Her, my my grandchild. She's gonna raise her. She's very pro LGBTQIA. She's very we I mean, just all very progressive because I raised her, her mother and I raised her that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's the cycle was broken, so to speak, in a, in a way. That's cool. I have a question for you, James, and then I have a question for both of y'all. But the question for you is, how did you survive the AIDS era? And then the question for both of you is, how are you, how are you surviving the pandemic right now? So a lot of folks my generation are saying, we already went through a pandemic once, uh, yet nobody cared. Um, so I was a protester. So when I saw a protest you know, last year, I was so proud. I couldn't go out because of health reasons. Um, but I would have, if I could have, I would have been out there. I believe in protest. I believe in um, camaraderie and community. Um, so I was part of Act Up Sacramento in the early years. I was part of that. I mean, I was out there. I mean, I saw so much death. I mean, I was, I was so young and I saw so much death. I mean, I have a picture of there's nine of us and only two of us are left. I watched wow. every of the seven die. And a lot of the guys who helped me out when I, when I was just starting on my own, um, they, they, they gave my first TVs and my first, you know, I had nothing. When I, when I, after my father like threw me out after a year, I had nothing and I had to start all over. And they gave, I got a place to live at least. Um, and everybody in that building would have to be gay. It was happening, this was this gay building uh, on, on JN 22nd in Midtown. <laughs> um, I, I, I drive by, then I go, oh, I have a soft spot for it because they all helped me. And, uh, Oh my God, I was, I was like, like crying. Uh, they, all, they, all, they, gave, they really were there for me. And so I will never forget that. It was, there was a real sense of community back then. And, and, and lesbians were, were coming up and just helping out gay men. That had never happened before because um, they weren't getting it like we were. Um, and I just, that time period was very scary. It was a very scary time period, but I have a lot of great memories too at the same time because we had to be resourceful. We couldn't, the government didn't even say the word AIDS until 87. And we already had, I mean, it started in 81. Wow. You know, I mean, it, they didn't say nothing. We were, we were fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting um, just to be recognized as human beings. And so that's kind of, you know, I just, I just, you know, I saw, I just, I went to so many funerals. Um, I went to so many, you know, trying to help people out, going to community things and bringing food to people. I used to read stories to my friends because they, they lost their sight to AIDS. Um, it was a death sentence back then. It wasn't, it was, this wasn't a joke. And so, 
Um, I made so many friends and friends of and friends of the family members of the guys who died. Um, we stayed friends to this day. You know, we're still friends. They're like James. You used to come and read those stories to him, and Jerry loved them when you read them to him. And um, and it's just it's, it's, it was a really tough time. <laughs> yeah. So I just I, I'm glad I made it because I didn't get positive, and I took care of myself as much as I could. And I was a nurse at the time, and I saw so many people so rude to their to their family members who were sick because they were gay. No other reason. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was really tough. But I did make it through as one of the few. And so the friends that I'm still friends with 30, 35 years later, we, um, we reminisce sometimes about our friends. Like my friend Tim, I was devastated when he died. And the treatment he got was just not fair. It was just not fair at all. So I'm, it, was, it, was a tough, it was a really tough time. I don't know why I made it. I don't know why I didn't catch it. I don't know why I was chosen to still be here. I guess maybe to tell the story. Maybe I'm here to you know, tell stories, which I have yeah. on many of my shows. But. It was, it's, it was, it was way really tough. So thanks for asking that question. It was really, it was way really tough. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, I just want to thank you for sharing that. Um, I appreciate you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I just, and I definitely want to, um, I can't have this like conversation, you know, without um, giving thanks to um, Mr. Sullivan. Um, he was, he kind of took me under my, under my wing, like when I first came out and stuff and, um just you know learning um sex education um and how serious it is um practicing safe safe sex and things like that um and so he really put me on hip to game like as far as you know like just protecting yourself and um just just staying safe you know um and so I'm just I'm so grateful to have had that type of support um during that period of time, um, you know, when I was going through and, and that transition and stuff, you know, as far as like coming out and things like that. Um, and yeah, I just try to, you know, as far as this pandemic, you know, I just, you said like the importance of like community and I feel like community is just so important and just like uplifting each other, especially right now, like during these times, um, it's just really important to uplift one another um, and just just stay connected, you know, like that's the most important thing to stay connected because it's so easy to just like die, say fuck all this, like I'm in my bubble, I'm good, you know, but it doesn't help the situation. So like I'm appreciative to be here and honored to speak with y'all. So thank y'all. Appreciate of course it. i appreciate y'all being here like <laughs> yeah. right up and everything. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but, but i'll tell you something i um for this pandemic and mike knows i've known mike got a thousand years at this point it seems like um i had some rough years before that um you know i lost a, a brother who was gay i had lost him to a heart attack um i was his last phone call i only want to get the phone call i tell my my family he died uh, my brother max well, it was, it was my shout to max um, his birthday was just recently and I had a hard day. I mean, it's been four years and still I miss him every day. He was, he was, he was the type of gay person who made everyone feel welcome, made everyone feel important. He was very popular in West Hollywood. Everyone knew him. I loved coming to LA and being his younger brother. I had no problem being just, just Max's brother. When you go to San Francisco or Sacramento, he was James's brother. So it was like, it was, you had, we both were like, they'd call him James out to yourself. And I'd be doing your <laughs> 
Um, but but Max was one of those people who was larger in life and just everyone loved him. And and when and I it, we're seeing it when his funeral happened over here at Angeles, we had, we had the actual funeral part first. And I was sitting with my mom and we're looking around and it was standing room only. Mm-hmm. It was so packed. And I said, and I just my mother, I go, this is amazing. Like, this is what I hope people do for me if I die, if I had a funeral. Like people from all of his stages of life, gay, church, straight, family. They, they, I mean, because he was so well loved. When they say come speak, they had to stop the speaking because there was so who wanted it. It was just, it was just, it went on for hours. Yeah. And that to me was like, wow. He's a gay, he was a gay black man who had his impact on everyone. So it's possible that we can all have that. It just may take work and maneuvering and stuff like that. So uh, his death was part of me. And then a year later, I got Bell's palsy, a very severe case where my face was paralyzed for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the quarantine, so that kind of prepared me for the quarantine in a weird way because I couldn't <laughs> go anywhere. Couldn't yeah. do anything, couldn't talk, couldn't do, I couldn't do anything. So I was home most of that year year away from everybody um so then the pandemic hit and i was like okay it's another year of some craziness okay got it and um as mike knows what i decided to do was use my platform i can't be outside i can't be around other people well i got the, i got a, i got an imac i got a ring lights i got a mouth i got so i got some people who think i'm somebody i guess an audience so i said i'm going to do this so for the first three months of the pandemic i did five interviews a day for five days a week so 25 uh, interviews a week I did. And I, I put out But it kept but it kept see the thing was it gave me a schedule. It gave me a perfect yeah. reason to live and not go crazy. I knew I had one at three and one at five and one at seven. Then you gotta prepare them and edit them and put them out. So I was I was busy. I mean, literally it was like that was my busy time. And then on the weekends, I would go on my, on my go outside my garden. There's like there was like I it was all timed. And then I started uh, meditating. Uh, I, I started meditating in April. Meditating ever since for an hour from 7 to 8 every morning. I meditate for an hour. Um, and that really has changed my life also. And so those two things kept me going initially. And then this whole pandemic, I mean, you know, as you said, I've been morphing and changing. Now I'm an online network and I now have audio dramas, which Mike is a part of a couple of those. Um, and I decided to turn it around. So community, right? So like you said, Colby. I decided that I'm going to try to help other people. We're all sitting at home. The studios are closed. No one's working. So they're sitting at home, just probably feeling sorry for themselves. What if I give them an opportunity to actually act or be on a podcast or be on a panel? I, so I used to start reaching out to everybody and saying, do a show with me. Do a show with me. Come on in. I went on Craigslist. I've been ads out. You're a newbie, non-union actor. Come on in. Let's have some fun. And now I got, right now I got four separate casts of people over... 200 people now are underneath JLJ Media wow. doing shows and they're, and they're and they and they're telling me I mean I had two guys last night tell me and they're working together now there are people are working together one two people started a podcast these folks are doing this and so I created this community thing which I didn't expect to happen like that uh, you know our group is funny our little group for uh, we do all our shows that's really funny too um, everybody's fun we have a great time and they're telling me James and emails and letters like James, you just, you changed my life. This is so great. I'm so glad to do something like this. I feel a part of something. You give me a chance. And that's what I want to do. I thought, I can't make it woe is me, poor pandemic, whatever. I got to turn around and just give it all to everybody else. And then I'll, and hopefully I will be fed at the same time. Nice. Yeah. I think like, yeah, for me, cause like, 
Dang. <laughs> I just wanted to like go in my bubble and it's just like I appreciate Mike, you know, um just offering me space, you know, to just get out of my comfort zone, you know, like this right now, like it's so out of my comfort zone. And like I'm just like, you know, grateful to like have that type of person around who wants like who wants to see me grow and things like that. And yeah, you know, um I forgot what I was going to say. Dang. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're, I, so cute. you're so cute. You're so cute. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're, you should be really proud of yourself that you are yeah. doing something that you're not used to doing. Yeah. A lot of folks would say no and not do it and stay in fear and live in fear and invite yeah. fear in. Fear is just unknown. That's all it is. It's just unknown stuff. Walk through it. Then you'll know. Then it's known. I mean, like, yeah. all the time, like you're not going to know nothing until you know it. Right. So like, so don't stop yourself or censor yourself. So you should be proud of yourself, Kobe. You're like, I don't normally do this. I don't yeah. know what's going on. I'm, I'm yeah, this young, yeah. I'm this young cute boy in you know Northern California, whatever. That's <laughs> you're on here, you're working it out, and you're talking yeah. with us, and that you're sharing some of your experience, and that's you should be yeah. very proud of yourself. Thank yeah, especially and especially like like taking those steps at your age. Like I wish, you know, somebody would have put me on game at 22, 21. With, the, with some of the things I know now. So that's why I try to just share those tools because, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy, especially when, you know, like, like I'm sure both of you said, like you're, you're the first, you're the, you're, the, you're the only, you know, gay person that you know in your life at a time, you know? So the, everybody may not understand your journey and that's okay. So, you know, you may have to do the exploring and the, and the digging yourself to really just keep keep finding more of yourself and learning more of yourself. So I'm I'm proud of you, man, for the journey that you're taking, and and I'm excited to see where it takes you. Thank you. Yes, because because it's not going to happen overnight, and mm-hmm. and you, you have to understand that the learning never stops. And even for me, at 51, I was 52 years old. I'm still learning stuff about myself, even mm-hmm. in just a, not just even the regular realm, but even in the gay realm, I'm still figuring mm-hmm. out because. You start, and, and Mike knows a little bit about this now. He's getting a little older. <clears throat> um, it just, it, that, it start, no, society, you, start, you start to move to different phases in your life um, where the partying isn't cute anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would go to my, my a friend of ours, Tony Moore, used to run all these things at Mickey's uh, here in West Hollywood. And I would come to a couple of them and I feel like the oldest person in the room sometimes because they're like, what's this old guy over there doing that? You know, it's fine. So... You know, because I was told, I remember when I was 22, 23, who's that? I did the same thing, shady as fuck. Who's that 50 year old over there trying to like dance or whatever? And I'm like, oh my God, that's me now. I'm shady and I'm shady myself. I mean, I was like, hello. I did the same thing. I was like, I hope I'm not 45 on the dance floor at the club. I mean, that's so shady, James Law Jr., when you were younger. And now I'm that 45, 50, 52 year old trying to get down, you know, trying to get down to the latest song and body, 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 all that stuff. Like, I'm like, it's so funny how the faces change. They totally change. So you learn about yourself as they're changing. Going, oh, well, I'm still youthful. I should be able to still go to the club if I want to and, and, and dress the, uh, as long as I'm still myself. I'm not trying to be like anybody 22, but like, then also dating. Who do I date? Mm. What, what age mm. range am I allowed to date now? James, you're going out with a 26-year-old. What's wrong with you? Well, I'm like, well, that person and I and I got along great. We have a lot of things in common. I understand the age difference, but I tried to get somebody 45, 50, and they're stuck in their ways. You know, like, so it's like it's a weird that that's gonna shift you for you guys. You like kind of figure out the, the how that works also. And so it's kind of so you have a whole you have a whole life ahead of you of stuff, of juicy stuff. I'm curious to know what is dating like for both of y'all right now. 
and not this, not necessarily like pandemic, but I'm just saying like in the last year or two, what has what has dating been like? Oh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I felt like you know, like oh, this I'm getting personal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I felt like, you know, like um I felt like I was at this point where I was always trying to over like and I was always overextending myself to like, you know, people who didn't appreciate me. And it was like I'm just I'm done doing that, you know, like and I'm just at a point where I'm like, you know, if if we can't meet each other halfway and stuff, you know, then I'm just going to protect my peace um, until, you know, whatever is meant for me is, is meant for me, you know, and that's just kind of where I'm at right now. And I haven't really had much experience either. So, yeah. That's me. <laughs> that's the fun part. Uh, no, for, for me, uh, I'm in a public eye. So here in L.A., so when I try going on some of the apps, they know who I am. People know who I am. It's a small world. Oh my, you're the guy from Afterbus TV. Oh my, you're the guy from like. <laughs> I'm just uh, on here to. <laughs> I, I, my, my, I'm like, I loved you for five years. I'm like, that's kind of creepy. So, I'm like, um, <laughs> so I already have, I already have super fans or whatever, and I'm like, oh my god, they want me. Um, so anyway, so no, so it's so it just it just changes things because it's a small community and they kind of know who I am. So you, you, so you already, already have a preconceived notion kind of of who you think you are. And I mean, I have very much who I am, which you see what you get for the most part anyway. But there are things that are a little different that I don't show on my TV shows. I don't show on my music. There are things I do call, I, there are things I hold for myself, for my mm -hmm. personal life. It's very important to do that. If you get in the public eye in any, in any form, you got to keep some stuff for yourself. And so I do. Um, but LA is hard as fuck to date in this God for second place. It is so, it's like, if I see one more headshot, and not a regular, <laughs> you know, if I see, if I see one more filter, you know, and then for me, now I'm daddy, papa, daddy, poppy, whatever. I am now gramps. I am the guy that they all want now because I'm older. And yes, I think I'm a handsome guy. I'm, 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 I'm high, I'm high myself. I think I'm good looking. And I think I look good for my age. And I get that all the time too. A lot of people don't guess my age. They think I'm in my late 30s. And I'll take that. Sure, I'll take that. Um, but I've now been put into that. Again, put into this category now. I'm mm -hmm. daddy. So for me, a lot of it is, no, I already have children. I already have children. I already have children. I'm not going to finance you. I'm not. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of that happening. Um, but I do, get a, I do get a lot of hits. I mean, I do. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm not, not to brag. I'm trying to brag. Right now. I get a lot of hits. But it's more about me having like you just said, Kobe, mm -hmm. discerning which ones are really f here for me. Right, and right. Not, and not just what take. Yeah. Because you know? I felt like I seen that, like, you know, um, just the, the the apps in general, like you were saying, like just the apps, the, it's just the fetishization, you know, of big people, fat dudes. And, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That whole, that whole smell. Um, and it was just like, I felt like, I don't know, they just wanted one thing, you know, and it was just like, they were going to try to do this to get this one thing. And it, I already kind of knew that, you know, but it's just like, I'd rather find someone who like, likes me for who I am, you know, and yeah. 
that whole thing. Because they really cool. be very yeah, I, I... <laughs> Because well, I had, because okay, here's full disclosure Mike and I met on app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, didn't, we didn't, we didn't. Kobe and, Kobe and I did also. Uh, I was yep, yep. Yeah, so we, might, we, became, we became instant friends. We didn't come out. I thought he was cute. He's still cute. I think he's cute. Um, yeah, but I we just became, that. you know, you are cute. But we became friends. And we started, and we had, because we, we had a great conversation. Mm-hmm. We realized he's an artist too. And I'm not, I mean, so that's, that's how we met. Sometimes that happens too. So I've I've met some, actually, I've met some great friends on some of the apps. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, Yeah. I I met some really cool people on the app. Um, Me too. I met one of my best friends on the app, actually. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he he was, and I went to go visit him in Michigan. That was my partner. But yeah, one of my best friends, I met them on the app and stuff. And it's great. It's just crazy how you like connect with people, you know, but. Yeah, it's crazy. Like connecting with people is is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but was, but two years ago in 2019, I had a boyfriend, and so mm-hmm. we were together for eight months, and he okay. broke up with me because he was not fully out to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Latino, Mexican, firstborn son, take care of his parents. He was having a rough time with it, and so and it was funny because we broke up. Um, my friends were like, oh, fuck yeah. And I was I said, no, I said, actually, I understand. I mean, for this, I mean, I was heartbroken, but I understood where it was coming from. And I remember telling him, I can't go back in the closet for you. This is fucking too late. Um, and you got to figure that out. Because I don't want to be this hidden secret that, you know, every holiday I can't see you because you're with your family. And I'm like, we're not going to do that. I said, I'm just too old for that. I'm, like, I'm just not going to do that. Um, but I wasn't mad at him, though. I understood that it's, again, it's like coming, he was in his 20s. So it's like coming out prior. You have to have to, you know, you know, do that. And so he still calls me now every once in a while. He's like, he, he still likes me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, are you out? Are you out yet? Are you out yet? Are you out yet? Mm-hmm. Well, you're not out yet. Nothing's gonna happen. You know, that kind of thing. So there's, I just, I realize in the dating journey that there, as I get older, there's a lot. I've been dating since I was 15. There have been a lot of different people have a lot of different things going on that have nothing to do with you. It's their stuff. Um, and it's what you choose how to be in it or not. And so there are a lot of times I'm like, I'm out. I don't hate you. Not mad. I'm just out. I can't take right, that. Right. You, have to, you have to learn that somehow. Because we'll take things on. Because I'm a very paternal person. So I'll take things on sometimes naturally. Oh, yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. You already raised children. You're going to go away. Yeah. Go <laughs> um, take it on. Take it on. That empath energy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so for me, so that was so going into the pandemic, I was newly broken up. So I thought, I'll see how this goes. And so I've been trying I, for the last year. Um, there's a couple of guys that we're talking. We've been talking, but we've not met. Not gotten together. It's all text, video stuff. Um, but we have not met in person. And I, I said to people, um, well, there's ways you can, you can meet and social distance and whatever. So it's up to them. I mean, but I have a, a couple of guys kind of, you know, in my, in my orbit. But I mean, but it's but other than that, everybody else is just very either very scary, or they just don't care. If somebody just calling over, no, I don't. Who, who the fuck are you? I don't right, yeah. I want to see. I want to see, um, I see this, uh, the COVID test results. I want to see. I'll take your temperature. I want to see all before you come to my house. <laughs> oh, that's not hey, happening. That's thanks. That's not happening. Because <laughs> I mean, you're so eager. It's like that's a little weird. You're so eager. Like you're not worried at all. Like what, I mean, that's kind of right. like. And it's running rampant through black and brown communities. Like, hello, like there's something 
that's all that's all the story for us. I won't get my soapbox on that. But it's like that's it's a little weird to me. The other ones who are a little cautious, I'll handle those. That's fine. If you're a little cautious, I kind of like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but it's tough. It's tough. I mean, just in LA period. I mean, I, Europe and North, but in LA, it is tough to connect with anybody genuinely. Wow. Tough. Yeah. It's tough. Mike knows this. It's tough. And when you I, find one, you want to hold on to them because you're like, oh my god, you're a unicorn. I mean, you want to hold on to them. And sometimes it's a friendship thing, though. It's not even you thinking, dang, I wish it was a relationship. But like, actually, like, here's a friend. You know, um, and because you can find good friendships here. You can. That part mm -hmm. you still do. But it's that relationship. I don't know what, I don't know why. I don't know why the difference, that's different. I don't know why, Mike. I don't know yeah. why. I think, of, I think because, well, one, because when people move to LA, they're coming for something. So a lot of people come for music, art, film. So you're essentially coming here to take something and they kind of carry that into every situation that they go in. So it's like, what can I get out of dating this person? What can I get out of being friends with this person? Right. And I think as far as dating, like for me, I think, I think friendship is a good foundational place to start. Um, so like making friends with somebody is like, yeah, I, I can make a really good friend, but then, you know, if, if it builds to something else, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. Yeah. um for me in dating I'm not I'm not really pursuing it right now um when I first came out I was kind of just in relationships like in one relationship and then in another one in another one just because I didn't know how to be alone and I was searching for this like acceptance and um my last relationship that I was in I think it was it was exactly what I needed um Shout out to Eric, amazing person. Oh, Eric, um, that's right, Eric. Yeah, yeah I, 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 got, I got to put him out there. Good. Amazing person. Um, and he really helped me in feeling what I was looking for, essentially, from a relationship. And, like, now that I felt that, it's kind of giving me the freedom to, like, pursue what I truly, you know, want to pursue and what I moved here for. You know, I, I had a lot of fear especially tied to my sexuality that mm -hmm. tied to my creativity and just how I moved in the world and yeah. being with this person that gave me so much freedom to like really be my whole self. Like now that I've been by myself for a while, it's like, man, I, I could be like, I've, I've learned to be comfortable with the things that I learned with him by myself. So being by myself is like, I don't necessarily need that attachment to someone else that I thought I needed and I am reaching more out to my community, like you guys mentioned, and finding those people that are like, if, if you just want to hang, just to hang, like, let's just hang or whatever, like, let's create together, let's go on a hike, let's do this, but not, I'm not in the space of like, pursuing anyone or wanting to be pursued, because I'm so invested into, you know, like I said, the, the last couple of years yeah. of coming out, I was you know, so focused on like wanting and needing to be in a relationship. And it's like, now that I have none of that and I can solely focus on my creativity, it's like, let me, let me invest that much interest in what I'm doing and see where that takes me. Well, see, now I'm at the age, I'm at the age now where I want companionship because now we're 50. Um, after having a few health issues that scared the shit out of me, um, I, you know, I have no grandparents left, they're dead. Uh, my parents are getting older. You know, I'm, I'm part of the company called me the part of the sandwich generation because I have 
elderly parents and I have grown children and grandchildren. So it's like, I'm in between somewhere. I'm kind of like trying to figure it out. And a lot of us are there. I know a lot of my friends were this age are like, so the mothers are dying. The fathers are dying. They're getting sick. We had to, we had to make decisions for them. My, you know, my stepdad is 84. My mother's 70. I'm like, I'm watching what's going on with them and their health. Um, so for me, I actually am now really ready to settle down with somebody. I'd love to have somebody come around and, and be there for me and be there around me and help me just kind of handle all the stuff that I'm handling. I do everything myself. You know, we're all self-sufficient guys. I can, I can, I can, I don't have to prove anybody. I can do my everything myself, but I would like to have somebody, you know, um, to give me distractions. I feel you. I like, I, I definitely enjoy, like I, in my past of being in relationships, I truly enjoy being in a relationship. Um, I think just right now for me, it's like, I don't want to, I like, especially like during the pandemic it has been so like hard navigating my own feelings that I think adding somebody else's feelings on top of that would just stress me out completely. So I crown <laughs> and Kobe Hill, I'm gonna tell you something right now. And I have no shame in saying this. Tell the truth, shame the devil. I'm tired of my hands. I'm tired of movies. I am tired of everything. <laughs> I need somebody to lay on top of me or something. I don't know what's going on. It's been almost a year. It's like, I mean, it's like the craziest shit. I'm like, she's a cracker because I'm a hugger. I'm a toucher. I'm almost kind of people. I haven't hugged nobody. Right. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, again, let me give me yeah. a COVID test. Let's take a shower. Let's take everything ready. <laughs> That's all I need right now. I'm like, I'm so, so over myself that I can't take it anymore. I'm like, I'm so, I'm like, I'm like, fuck my hands, fuck everything else. I am ready for another person to take care of me. Jesus. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, this is outrageous, people. I'm like, this is crazy. You see, I mean, when it's self-imposed, when you choose not to do it, that's one thing. But the pandemic, like, totally took, they, everything changed March 17th last year. That was it, kids. That was yeah. it. She was tired. <laughs> I was like, I'm that done. It's hilarious. That's real talk, folks. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is. I mean, we're men. I'm a man. I'm like, of I course. Don't, I am not of course. I'm not sexual. I'm a man. Sorry, anybody listen to this. I like to have sex, folks. I do. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I do. And I'm like, and it's different when you choose points in your life not to do it. I've had this point in my life where I was like, no, thank you. And that was fine because it was a choice. It's, yeah, this torch is taking out of my hands. I don't, I don't <laughs> God bless America. I said, the first time I do anything, I probably implode. I'm like, just, 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 all of a sudden, I'll be yeah, I'll, I'll be on, in a million pieces. I'll be James Lott Jr. everywhere. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorry, anybody. anybody <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. So sorry. Nah, no, no, that's I'm, a big, I'm a big man, too. So <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. That's, that's hilarious. Hard. That's real talk about, about dating and shit about the pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As, y'all, as y'all get quiet, I'm like, I'll say it for everybody. I know how it is. No, you're absolutely right. I think during the pandemic, I re- I had to accept that I do truly enjoy sex. Um, because I, I think it's one of those things, you know, part of coming out and still working through my own feelings and stuff in the back of my mind subconsciously, like something about quote unquote gay sex still feels wrong. So I I feel like I've never fully allowed myself to enjoy a hundred percent. I've had spurts where I've like really enjoyed it, but like I'm accepting like, yeah, I do enjoy sex. I enjoy connecting 
mm-hmm. and it feels good and it's okay for this thing to feel good and not you know not run from it or not feel shame about enjoying it you know yeah that's real that, that's real talk too the shame like like when you're encountering and and, and, and experiencing stuff like afterwards yeah you, you definitely could feel shame or you, or you feel like guilt I know at least I did like you know at the beginning stages like it was a lot of guilt towards it and like yeah I'm still trying to work through that too <laughs> yeah I'm 34 and still working through it so I, yeah. I understand yeah I didn't, have, see, I didn't have that problem when the first time I did it, it, was, the first time I did it, it was like uh, everybody rejoice. We gonna mean and on that second out. Can you feel a brand new day? I felt the wind. It was almost the wind when I came out. I was just like, oh my god! It felt like uh, it was like a it was like a, a puzzle. Like the pieces fit suddenly. Yeah. Because I because I I mean I was I was having sex with women. Um, yeah. And what I, I mean when you're when you're like 17 years old, it's different wind and you work it out. So I mean so back then so it wasn't bad. It was like it was like I was fine. I enjoyed myself or whatever. Probably not fully like you're saying, but when this with this when this thing switched, it was like there it is, and my body and mind clicked. It was like there it is, but so it may take it may take a few more years to fully fully get there. But after that, I was like I'm in, I'm all in, and so and then you're right, it's a process, and I didn't I didn't feel no guilt. It just it felt more like relief. It felt like oh my goodness, I found it, I found it, but I found it, and it was like relief. I think for me, a lot of the guilt come came from like, you know, having sex with people I didn't feel connected to, um, you know, having sex with somebody I feel a connection with kind of releases all of that and it's comfort and safety. You know, I think that for me is something that's important, like to feel safe with this person and mm-hmm. have this connection. And as I'm matured, it's like, yeah, I don't want to just have sex and then that be it like you know I want to hang out with you before or after and it and it doesn't have to be a relationship but just like this connection you know and I feel like that's so pressured like you know just hooking up like what well, nothing that, that nothing that is wrong with hooking up you know at all that's like everybody do that you know but I think like just like wanting connection and like you know and being okay with like, okay, if I want connection with this person, then if it gets to that point, then boom, you know, we could do that. Yep, you know. So I I'll think take, like I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a step further. Yeah, I stop. I really, I don't really mess around with white dudes anymore. Uh-huh. I decided I'm going for black and brown, and that's my choice to do that, of course. And I said, okay, I want to, I want to see something reflected in me and you. Mm-hmm. I totally decided that. I'm like, wow. I was like, well, if you saw, them, of course. If I, if, I mean, there, there's some white men out there. They're, they're so, I mean, they took on my fancy. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to them. I won't say no. But I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for guys who reflect what I see in me in them. And when I, and so when I look at them and when we are talking, the connection is not just the conversation. It's also the culture. It's also the color. It's also the nonverbal stuff that we say. It's our mm-hmm. mannerisms. Mm-hmm. shorthand if we right. see a situation i have to explain to you the situation you totally get it there's no racial gaslighting it's all just like i see you and then i also find you attractive also your brown skin your big lips your big nose your nappy hair whatever you want to call it i think it's all beautiful and so that mm-hmm. to me is what i want to see more 
in my relationships when it comes to sex and love. Mm-hmm. I'm very much like, I'm very open about that. I mean, I, I want I, I want to be in love and have sex with someone. Yeah. I mean, right now, I'm not explaining by the moment, but after <laughs> that, <laughs> that weird year, but after that, I I love being in love and having sex with someone I'm in love with. I think it's, 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 it's the best, you say it's free, it's the best feeling, you're open to anything. Um, it's just such, it's such a good feeling when you're really in love with that person. You look in their eyes and you see everything I just said and you're about to, you know, join together in certain ways. I mean, I, I think it's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And also I think like, you know, cause sometimes you could like unconsciously attract people that like isn't good for you and people that like, you know, yeah, just not good for you. And like, but like, how do you undo that? Like, how do you undo like attracting these people that like doesn't serve you well, like in a relationship and things like that? Like, how do you undo those? Number things? one, acknowledgement. Your acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, there are folks who blindly go to, I don't know why the eighth time didn't work. This, this eighth guy, I'm like, they're all the same. I, exactly. I, I know you. They're all the guys are the same. It just have different names. Um, but no, acknowledgement seriously is the first step. I mean, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but it really is to know that you're attract. Because I say, I always say, we call every single person into our lives, good, mm-hmm. bad, or different. Doesn't matter what it is. And people get mad at me. I go, no, but seriously, we chose our parents, whether they're good, bad, or different. We chose. I, I was raped. I, he came into my life. I chose him into my life for a reason, for every lessons to learn from that. Um, all my ex-boyfriends, girlfriends, kids—they were all called to my life. So. When you start to see, Colby, that these guys are not serving you in a way that's good for you or your self-esteem yeah. or for anything, that note, note that. Don't rush under the table. Don't talk it off. Live in it and go, ooh, these last three guys I talked to were not good for me. The way they talked to me, the way they treated me, this is not good. And then try to really work on that and try to get people in your life that are good for you and then I try, right. try to find, try right. to find other avenues. I, mean, I can't tell you exactly where to go, but acknowledge the ones that you're calling in and go, why am I calling them in? Like, why am I acknowledging them? Why am I giving them breath in my yeah. life? Yeah. I think acknowledging those feelings too, like when you acknowledge it, like recognizing, okay, if this is the pattern and I felt like this every time, do I want to feel like this again? All right. Yeah. Right. Because it could definitely, you know, be a pattern and stuff like that. And I think like just having those experiences, in a way, I, I appreciate those experiences because it's it's pushed me to like, you know, more focusing on myself and like my creativity and, and my and my work and my artwork and things like that. And that's just really been my focus lately, you know, just you know, my photography and, and going to school and stuff like that. So I also haven't really had time to like, you know, dive deep into those things because I've been so focused on like my work and stuff. And but, you know, I'm also just like, you know, if something happens, you know, I'm ex- I'm accepting it and I'm going to like be open to those things. So, yeah. Always try to I find that. time to work on yourself. Though. Yeah. Because yeah. it will inform your work. It'll inform your schooling. It'll inform your artistry. You, I, I think I think we always almost forget to do that because we're always so I got this I got this I, got this. I mean trust me, you have to work on yourself. I do ten thousand things, but I meditate every single morning, without fail, for an hour. 
for the full hour. My phone is not on. This computer is not on. I have not checked Instagram. I do that. <laughs> you know, you know, the, you know the, the habit. I have to yeah. phone on my bed. So, oh, what's yeah. going on? What's going on Twitter? It's so like, easy you know, now. It's like addicting. It's, yeah, it's so easy. It's so easy. Yes, you have to work on yourself. You have to always. You're your number one advocate. You have to work on yourself always, and that will actually help you in everything else in your life. That's my advice. Thank you. I Thank agree. I have a couple of more questions for y'all, and then I have another segment that we're going to do. Ooh. But um, what, what brings both of you joy right now? I will say my work, my photography. Um, just, you know, Cause it's like in your work, you know, like I've just been so focused on that. Like that's where, that's what makes me happy right now. That's what brings me joy. Um, that's what inspires me, you know, like just photography and, and, and learning and, you know, cause it's like, especially in the creative realm, like it makes you feel like, you know, like what you're doing is not good enough. And social media makes you feel like what you're doing is not good enough. And, and it is, you know, like, anything you put out, you know, anything you're working on is good, you know, and I think, like, that's just really where my joy has been, and, and, and finding, you know, like, time for myself, yeah, just finding, making time for, like, trying to be happy, yeah, trying to be happy, yeah. <laughs> my joy, my joy is my garden, everybody knows who knows I love my garden, uh, getting new plants, um, having a good time watching them grow. I mean, it's, and, and I had um, my friend, Phil Tech, a great guy, another a coach. Coach, um, He said for his birthday every year, he doesn't want presents. He gives other people presents. And so I told him, bring me a plant and I'll be the plant daddy for you. So he brought me, <laughs> a, plant, he brought me a plant and it's, I said, give him pictures once a week of his plant. And he's very happy. And that brings me joy. That brings, it's like, I'm doing something for somebody else that brings me joy. So for me, bring me joy is to be able to help others. You know, like I said, Mike knows me. I said, I just, I'm always trying to, whether it's a repost of somebody's stuff, a reshare of someone's thing, a retweet of someone's thing, showing up to their thing, um, you know, going to that performance, going to that online play, um, you know, or spending $10 at least to get a ticket. You know, I, I, that brings me joy. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a saint or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that, but I just know that I, I like our community. I like helping other people. And that's all my friends and my friends of friends. I love to do that. And that bring, you know, do these, do these shows, these, these audio dramas and these podcasts and talking to you and talking to everybody that just, that makes me happy because I feel like at least I'm doing something. I'm not just, yeah. not, not just all about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a very strong personality and yes, a lot of things should be about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do like to give back and whether it's a song or a movie or a book or a podcast or a, 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 you know anything like this a discussion i uh, that brings me a lot of, that brings me a lot of joy i think that's nice. so like important and i commend you for that you know because these times that we're in right now like that's all we need you know is just some type of like light and some type of inspiration like you know it's, it's so much going on right now you know like so much you know and and 
just being able to share some type of positivity with somebody, it could mean the world to them, you know, like that means the world to me. So yes, I appreciate that y'all. That's what's up. Um, what is it like for both of you being gay black men? Like, what does it mean to you to be a gay black man? I asked you a question once, like, what does it mean you'd be a black man? They try to throw it back on me now. I asked you and James Woods about that on one of the shows. Now you're gonna be about being about being black man. Okay, I see I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Um, for me, it means um, it means we being a gay black man means that I am still healing. I'm still working through stuff. I'm still trying to find my place in the world because I'm being told by everyone I should not be here. That I do not deserve anything that I'm getting. That, that's from every space. That's from black folks, straight black folks. That's from straight white folks. That's from gay white folks. That's from everybody. It doesn't matter. Black men in general have a lot being put on them these days um, from every direction. And then you add the gay part on there. And either we're invisible in some movements or were vilified in others and demonized in others. Um, and trust me, as a person in public guy, I see the comments sometimes. I'm called many names just for existing. Um, and so for me, being a gay black man means that I'm, I'm still trying to heal, break through, and still, and still really fully find my place in the world. I think I have my place in the world. I deserve to be here and I should be here. Um, I feel a sense of pride. Um, I will admit I'm black first. I will admit that. That's just my generation thing. They see black first when they see gay. Um, being gay is, is a part of me, just like being left-handed and yeah. like gap tooth and, you know, and my, and my hairstyles and everything. It's, it's part of me. It's a very important yeah. part of me. But I know for me, black is it's, it's just more, it's more important because that's, because that's yeah. what I get treated. I don't, I get very little homophobia. I get mostly racism. So yeah, I definitely for, agree with you with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely um, a black man in this country first, um, first and foremost, um, you know, and for like, it was crazy cool because like the school I was at, like, because I'm a part of like the Nemoja program, like in community college and stuff. And like, it really opened my eyes to, you know, like just my history and stuff like about, you know, who I am, like as a black man. And I think that's me first and foremost. Now, as far as like my sexuality, um, I don't know yet. I'm just like, I'm. it's curiosity. It's still like curiosity. I'm still at that level, you know, but I'm like, you know, I'm just growing, learning to, learning to um, accept, learning to accept. My thing is bringing the ancestors forward bringing Marlon Riggs, you know who he is, look him up, bringing James Baldwin, bringing Andrew Rustin, bringing all these, all these gay black men who did really important work, even once they're still around, like Ian Apache and Polk, you know, all the, you know, all the stuff with, you know, Noah's Ark and all that. And there's a lot of gay black men who did a lot of stuff. Um, Bill T. Jones, wonderful dancer. I know his sister. Um, there's, a, one, there's some wonderful black men, Robert Maplethorpe, and also with that way, all, all the things that they, 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 they it was spotlighted, you know, John Basquiat and all them, they just spotlighted art um, and spotlighted the, the black and brown experience in urban areas. 
there are a lot of people that you want to want you're going to mention who really did you know the early early rappers you know there's a lot of people that were doing a lot of work and for black men period and for art and there are a lot of gay black men who are part of that uh michael bennett a choreographer there's a lot of, i try to bring them with me when i'm when i do things or talk about things or high i may even spotlight them on a show um, you know, I've interviewed people like Thelma Houston and people like I mean, people in the, in the business have been a long time. Um, we, I bring up the gay element. I make sure I make sure I bring that. You were in a disco girl. Tell me all about it. And she told me all about it. You know, my, my dad would interview Natalie Cole years ago. Same thing. So about her gay hairdressers and dancers. And, you know, I, I say the memory needs to continue. The memories need to continue. And it's gay, and it's gay black men today. For those who don't know these, these names who are listening, you know, who's Michael Bennett? Who like Michael Jackson beat it? So just say that. Well, Michael Peters was that. Michael Bennett was chorus line. I mean, so that's a lot of people. It's like you can look up these names. These are these are not just names. These are people, blood, you know, flesh and blood people who advanced our society and made real big change. Who don't get the notices they they should get. So I that's so I you know I when I saw. Tongues Untied by Marlon Riggs on PBS. That was a big deal. Because it was, it was talking about the gay black experience at that time period in the 80s and the 90s. It was like, this was something that I had never seen before. When I saw Paris is Burning changed my life. Saw it in the theater. Totally changed my life. Seeing these black and brown people voguing in New York, but it was much bigger than that. There was a, a family culture that they created um, where their other families didn't like them anymore. It's like seeing Pose. I love Pose. That's my time period. I go, I'm, I'm like, Billy Porter, MJ Rodriguez, they're all doing amazing work on that, you know, on that show. Um, they're not forgetting their past. That's why I, I will always advocate for our ancestry, straight or gay black folks, but especially gay black folks. They were as, just as important to our history than anybody else. Of course. Um, James, my question for you is, what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? You'll survive. You will survive, James. You there will always be ups and downs. You can't avoid them. You just can't. It's life. Um, you can't avoid them. Uh, I was a pretty fearless person, so I always went through. So I always did things. Um, but there were times when I, I, I had hopeless moments, moments when I wanted to kill myself, uh, like literally. And um, and I, I guess I would I would tell myself back in the past, it's okay, James. There's gonna be some rough moments, some rough things are gonna happen but you're so strong and you do have good people in your life, you will, you will survive them. And you'll, you'll, you'll live to tell the stories about them like I'm doing right now. That's what I would, that's what I'd tell my younger self. Nice. Kobe, what is one reminder that you want to give to your future self? Um, dang. Just to, you know, like, continue to heal and, like, continue to grow, you know, I would say that just continue to heal, you know, like, healing is not an overnight process. Um, it is, it's, it's longer than that, you know, um, and just, you know, to be more compassionate with myself um, and not be so hard on myself, you know, just be more compassionate and just continue to grow and, and there's always a learning experience to everything, you know, and share that wisdom with others. So, yes. 
That's what I would say. <laughs> Don't be hard on yourself. Yes, yes. yourself. We can. We're the, we're the worst on ourselves. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nice. And now the next segment of the show is sponsored by Feel Free to Feel Free. It's called Five Questions of Freedom. I love this book. I never heard of this book. I gotta like look on Google. Hold on. It's called Feel Free to Feel Free. I, I'll send you the link. Um, okay. that great. yoga dude. I'll send it to you. I but yeah. Amazing person as well. Best friend. I I love James. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you guys five questions and you answer them as fast as you possibly can. Okay. So if you guys are ready, I'll ask you the first question. Ready? (laughs) Ready. I'm ready. Um, Northern California or Southern California? Southern. Another, no, I mean northern. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Beyonce or Rihanna? Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, James Lott, what is your favorite creative medium that you work in? Poetry. You said okay, poetry. poetry. Okay. My favorite. Nice. Kobe, if you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Fast, fast, come on. Uh, a painter, a painter. <laughs> okay. And uh, for both of you, what makes you feel free? Myself. Myself. Yeah. Working out. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> nice. Thank you guys so much. Can you please let the people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at underscore uh, K-I-L-I-M-A underscore underscore. Um, that is my photography page. And yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> you repeat that to me after. I didn't get that. I was going to write that down. I didn't even get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you can follow me. And if you, you can follow me. We're all James Lott Jr. Sold at James Lott Jr. on all social media platforms. And it's also on TikTok. I'm James Lott Jr. on TikTok. And JLJ Media is my online network, please. Uh, and all serious, I have a very diverse content. He's an episode that's coming out in two weeks on February 6th. It's called Dinner at Mama's. It's a great, it's a great, it's, it's getting good too. We have three episodes of that coming out so far. Um, but that's, but go to any streaming service, JLJ Media, any outlet, and in YouTube, JLJ Media. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I really appreciate this. Um, Thank you all for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let other people know what you think as well. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on all social media at the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Also, you can send me an email, the Art of Letting Go Podcast at gmail.com, or give us a call, leave a message. We might play it on the show. 213-394-2773. Also, if you would like to support the Art of Letting Go, we got some really cool merch as well as we're now on Patreon. You can find us, the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Subscribe to us. Thank you guys for listening. 
This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go.